to worship today from a stormy west coast of Scotland. We are worshipping as part of the Peninsula churches in Lochaber, the peninsulas of Morven and Ardnamurchan. So, as we gather in our churches on Sunday, we welcome you wherever you are worshipping on whichever day and time you are joining online. Today, we hear a part of another of Paul's letters, a letter to Timothy. And as always, there is advice in this letter which we can relate to and find useful. So without further ado, let us worship our God.
now let us pray. Divine architect, from the beginning you have breathed life into our universe. Dancing spirit, you have hovered over the chaos and crashing atoms and creating a wonder of stars and planets beyond our imagining. Servant King, you came among us and showed us the depth of God's love for creation and invited us to become co-creators using our gifts to create heaven on earth. Each generation discovers you for themselves through creation and through your word made flesh. Each one of us has to learn that we're not perfect and that life can be difficult and painful sometimes. Each one of us has to learn to express our emotions and choose how we react to situations and people that disturb or cause us anxiety. Knowing that you journey with us gives us courage to face whatever life brings. Knowing that Jesus lived a life like ours gives us comfort and helps us as we make our choices. We're sorry that sometimes our choices are neither wise nor helpful for ourselves or others. We admit that we can be destructive when emotions overwhelm us. We confess that we find life hard to deal with and that we often forget to turn to you for help. Forgive us, O God, grant us the grace to accept our imperfections and to seek your help and those of the people we trust so that we might go forward, making wiser decisions and choices. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1 verses 3 to 7 I give thanks to God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. I thank him as I remember you always in my prayers night and day. I remember your tears and I want to see you very much so that I may be filled with joy. I remember the sincere faith you have, the kind of faith that your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice also had. I am sure that you have it also. For this reason, I remind you to keep alive the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Amen. When the moderator came to Kilhorn to dedicate the new Ardnamurchan church, she recalled what her mother used to say to her when she was a teenager, when she was getting ready to go out. She used to say, have fun, but remember who you are. 
Well, my mother used to say something similar, but without the fun bit. Remember, you're a Jameson. So that served to squash any plans you might have for any activities which might bring criticism to the family. You were carrying the family with you, as it were, when you out, went out and about. And the responsibility for their reputation clearly visible in your behaviour and attitude. Everything you thought and did had to be seen from that perspective. In our reading in this letter to Timothy, we are seeing something similar. That sort of entreaty tied up with the words of a man, Paul, who knew he did not have long to live and was trying to bundle up the advice he wanted to give Timothy in this last letter to him. Paul was in prison awaiting his fate and he could not visit Timothy and so all he could do was to write to him. Well, Paul knew Timothy well. He knew his family because it is thought that he, Paul and Barnabas had stayed with them during their first missionary journey. He had been impressed with the faith in the family, which is why he mentions Timothy's grandmother and mother. Timothy was a child of a mixed race marriage. His mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. When they first met on that first missionary journey, Paul clearly saw something in Timothy which gave him hope that he might prove to become an apostle for the faith. And over time, Paul spent a great deal of time with Timothy, preparing him for the role which Paul hoped he would fulfil. In his letters, we can see he is still guiding and instructing, but always with a great deal of affection. He clearly regarded him as his spiritual son, and he saw himself as his spiritual father. And although there is debate about the authorship of this letter, which, if one allows it to, can occupy our time, our time is better spent considering the message contained within it. Paul's object in writing the letter is to inspire and strengthen Timothy for his task in Ephesus. We heard last week from Jean that there were issues in this church in Ephesus and it was caused by wrong teaching and battles for power. Timothy was young and he had a hard task in battling these heresies and the infections which were bound to threaten the church. So in order to keep his courage high and his efforts strenuous, Paul reminds Timothy of certain things. He reminds him of his own confidence in him, Paul's confidence in Timothy. There is no greater inspiration than to feel someone believes in us. An appeal to the best in someone is more effective than the threat of punishment. The fear of letting those down who love us is a sobering thing. He reminds Timothy of his family's tradition. Timothy was walking a fine heritage walking in a fine heritage and if he failed not only would he damage his own reputation but he would lessen the honour of his family's name. And Paul refers to Timothy's grandmother and mother as examples of those he should emulate. No pressure then. He reminds him of his setting apart for office and of the gift which was bestowed upon him at that time. What Paul meant by this was that once we enter the service of the church, 
anything we do affects more than just ourselves. We do not draw on our own strength alone. There is the strength of the tradition guided by the strength of the Holy Spirit. He reminds him of the qualities which should characterise the Christian teacher. And Paul, in this letter, sees them as four qualities. First of all, there is courage. It takes courage to be a Christian, especially in some lands and communities. And that courage comes from the continual knowledge of the presence of Christ. And the same is true today. There is power. And maybe energy would be a better word. The energy to cope, to undertake the tasks in front of him. The energy to cope with the soul-destroying and wounding disappointment and still retain faith. The same is true today. Then there is love. Love for the people of Christ and the people around him whom he's trying to lead towards the gospel. And finally, there is self-control. Self-control in the face of problems. Self-control in the face of passion and or panic. That control of self which will keep us from being swept away or running away. It gives us our staying power to run the course. By listing all these factors, Paul is saying to Timothy, yes, you can do this. It's not going to be easy, but look at what strengths you have, both from within you and around you. And sometimes we in the modern day Christian church might benefit from a letter like this. Times when we feel it's all too much. Maybe the church is taking a turn which we're not sure about. So easy to find a reason to say, I can't do this. And then there's self-doubt. Throughout his letters and teaching, Paul draws on the metaphor of athletics or the Greek games. And amongst these are the references to running a race, focusing on the goal of spreading the gospel. And within this concept is the idea of taking over from those who have gone before, as in a relay race. The message is not necessarily to win the race, but to reach the end, to get to the finishing line. The idea that you are one of a team, a team which stretches way back over 2,000 years. And if this is a relay race, are you going to be the one who falters, who abandons all hope of the team winning or even completing the race? You have been chosen to be part of the team. You. And as the baton is handed to you, specifically to you, are you going to make excuses and retire? Are you going to let it drop? You're taking over from the ones who have gone before. This is your leg of the race or the journey. In the dedication of the Arden American Church, the idea of taking over from those who had gone before was also a theme. Acknowledging the work and the influence of those who have shaped the faith in the area and then taking their work forward. In the brand new building, there are items from the old church as reminders of this rich heritage which stretches back to early Christianity and those early ministers and saints. These items are there deliberately and they are meaningful. 
there is a cross on the outside of the church, which was taken from the Mission Hall in Sanna Bay, the place where many visitors would join the community in songs of praise in the summer months. Now no longer standing. Inside the church is a cross behind the communion table made from one of the old pews. That would have been witness to happy and sad occasions, as well as occasions with deep spiritual meaning. The communion table and font are reminders for those present to see where they were baptised, bringing the past into the present and then into the future. In reminiscing about what her mother used to say to her as a youngster, remember who you are, the moderator brought this same message as Paul was sending to Timothy. You are the embodiment of not only your own personal talents and capabilities, not only your inherited history, but all of this combined with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is filling us with power, love and self-control. So as we leave this service today, remember who you are and whom you serve. Amen. We bring our prayers for others and ourselves. Life giver, you came and entered into the world you had created. You dwelt among a people oppressed and beaten abused and intimidated and you chose to love rather than hate to heal rather than kill to teach peace rather than violence today many in our world face similar issues and more than ever we need to respond in love as you have we need to get beside the opposed and beaten, the abused and intimidated. We need to choose love over hate, to use our gifts to bring healing and relieve suffering wherever we can. We need to embrace peace and reject violence. We give thanks for all the people around the world who continue to love and serve in your way. We pray for the people who choose to oppress and abuse and long for them to see the pain and suffering they cause and that they might turn back to you and make changes for the better. World peace seems impossible but we pray we pray for all who work for peace around the world support them encourage them to keep going as we think on the stories that we hear in the news we hear of tragic accidents of illness, of death, of hate, of violence. And we lift up before you those situations and those whose lives have been devastated. 
never to be the same again. We pray for all. Remembering especially those who suffer at the hands of others. And ask you to draw near to all who need your loving hand in their midst. Bring your comfort, strength and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. Let us dedicate our offering. Let us pray. Father God, we give thanks for your wonderful generosity to us. We are truly blessed. We offer these gifts of money. Take and use them to continue the work of sharing the good news with all people. May it help locally, nationally and globally, and let it be a sign of our ongoing commitment to be your disciples. Amen. And let us continue with the family prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
you for joining in our worship today. And as we go our separate ways, let us know that we have the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shine upon